Tala Falava and welcome to another episode of the Reads with Rossa podcast. I'm your host, Rossa. I'd like to shout out everyone who's been tuning in every week. I really appreciate the love and support. If you are a regular listener on the podcast platforms, don't forget to click the follow button. If you prefer visuals, then head on over to YouTube and check out the video episode. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. So without further ado, enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We can watch a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know, multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone, where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Malo and Lele, and welcome to the Reads with Rosa podcast. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. She is an educator, a mother, she is a writer, a blogger, and she is part of the Pacifica Bookstagram fam, all the way from Sydney, Australia, Sela Atiola. Welcome to the show, sis. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. So, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm trying to like... I'm nervous, though. <laughs> you don't look nervous. I think oh, I look man. more nervous than you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Welcome, sis. I mean, how how are you? How is your family out there in Australia? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're in um a three day kind of lock, not really a lockdown, but we've got restrictions back in for a few days. What? Um, but yeah, so back to wearing masks on public transport, supermarkets. But other than that, we're good. It's yeah. like normal now, isn't it? Oh, well, I don't, I mean, you know, when I see family and friends back in New Zealand, I mean, a few weeks ago, people were at a 660 concert. And here's, oh us, right, here's us in Japan, like, we're still, like, trying to, you know, fight this coronavirus. We don't even have vaccines or anything like that. Yeah. So the fact that you guys are kind of, like, near normal, I'm yeah. super jealous, super <laughs> jealous. And New Zealand, it's like there's no pandemic. Yeah, I'm, New like, Zealand. so mad. Yeah, yeah, they're doing really well over there. They've they've handled it really great. Right? Um, yeah. Man. Compared to the rest of the world, especially. But yeah, right. we're doing well. Yeah, we're getting there. And 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 um like where you guys are, are the vex like have you guys been vaccinated yet? Is that still rolling out or has it started? It's still rolling out. So we haven't been vaccinated or I haven't been vaccinated yet. Uh we're still trying to get that to, you know, the frontline workers mm. and all of that, but in terms of, I mean, in terms of reaching the goal that the government wanted to reach by the end of the year or by this stage of the year, uh, we haven't quite reached it yet. Um, but yeah, it's taking a while. Man, crazy. And why why are you guys on lockdown again? Like, um, uh, there were a few cases. Yeah, yeah, a few cases. Not a lot, mm. but there are a few. Yeah. So I guess uh, they put us. Uh, they put those restrictions back in place before it does kind of grow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, though. I'm glad your family's fine. I'm glad you're doing great out there. Um, can you tell our audience just a, li just a little brief about yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, I live in Sydney. Um, I'm Tongan, so my background is Tongan. Um, I was born in New Zealand, though. Uh, we moved here when I was about three. Um. I'm a mom. I've got two kids. I'm a wife. Um, I'm an early childhood educator. 
Um, at the moment, I'm a stay-at-home mum because I've got my two little ones. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's not much to tell about me. <laughs> Well, there is actually, actually, that's I'm what she says. Really but don't worry, fam. Don't worry. We're getting there. By the end of this, she'll be like, "Wow, she was lying." <laughs> We've learned so much about her. So let's talk about early childhood education. So, yeah, um, yeah. How did you? How did you get into that? I mean, were you one of those people who kind of went through high school like, "This is. I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to uni. This is what I'm going to do." Like, how did you get into early childhood? Like, why early childhood education? And, and perhaps yeah. not primary or high school? I think, um, well, my, for those of you who don't know, my dad's a minister, he's a pastor. So a lot of my childhood growing up, I was involved with, you know, Sunday school and I was always working with children or young people in some capacity. So I felt like I was drawn more to the early years. Um, and there's so much fun. I feel like the, that age group is so much fun to work with. They're so innocent. Um, they're a lot more enthusiastic when it comes to some of the activities that I come up with. So, yeah, I felt like my connection with children was more in those early years rather than the, say, primary, secondary or young adults. Um, but, yeah, I always knew that I would work with children in some way, whether it was teaching, whether it was... Um, volunteer work um, it was always going to be with those first five years it's interesting that you bring up church uh, because I mean you know don't even joke about it like you know when, when you come up through like Tongan church Psalm one church I mean that's where we that's where you learn leadership that's where you learn yeah. you know um, the performing arts that's where you learn where they push you to you know, public speaking and that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. natural for us to, to be teachers and educate. Oh, that's what I feel. Um, no, yeah. You know, and it really prepared like youth leadership and that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> um, when, you're, when your dad's the pastor, you kind of get uh, thrown into a lot of things without kind of um, offering. They just volunteer for you. So. Yeah. Um, ministers children what was that uh, like for you growing up I mean obviously you no doubt you had to take on more of a leadership role as you know one of the ministers kids but at times did you feel like you know this is a bit overwhelming I, I kind of need to step away I need my space or was it just something that you kind of took in stride and thought no you know I'm, I'm all good yeah I found it difficult because um when you're when a parent goes into ministry you don't have a choice as a child I mean that's their calling in life so as a family you all go with that person um and I felt a lot of pressure um and a lot of expectation uh put on me firstly being the eldest and in the um Tongan community when your parent is uh, a leader in the church there's a lot of people watching you um and so you feel like you can't really make any mistakes because you're being kind of judged um a little bit but yeah it was um there were there were definitely parts um of ministry that I enjoyed but there was as a young child especially as a teen growing up there was a lot of expectation a lot of a lot of pressure does that mean that you also are a musician and you play oh, some kind of instrument you're not no, no. you don't no, play piano or anything like that that's a shock there's always not, like ministers no, right they play music were, like yeah we weren't um None of my brothers or my sister, none of us are musical. 
so we don't sing and we don't play musical instruments. So we're probably the first PKs you'll ever meet that aren't. Um, That's so rare. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, what? No. That's so weird. Oh, wow. Um, so then, of course, I guess um, you get into early childhood education. Were there, did you see a lot of other educators, um, you know, in the area of early childhood education that looked like you? Um, or again, was it rare to see like Pacifica faces or yeah. educators of colour? Like, what was it like for you? Uh, for me, in Sydney, Sydney's quite uh, multicultural and um, there are a lot of Pacific Islanders who are early childhood educators and there are a lot of um, Pacific Islanders who are teachers, especially in Sydney. I'm not sure about anywhere else in the country, but it, it is very common here in um, here in Sydney to see um, see educators, which is good, which is great. Wow! And so I growing up, I growing up when I was um, when I was younger, there weren't mm. a lot of teachers um, that looked like me um, or that I could relate to, especially because I grew up in a lot of um, uh, smaller communities when my dad was ordained we moved out of the city when i was eight and i grew up in towns where 100 percent of the time we were the only pacific islanders and maybe 90 percent of the time we were the only children of color so growing up it was rare because of the um the environment i was in but in sydney it's really common now to see um educators that look like me so then as a young child coming through you know living in these small communities who were your role models like? Okay, so, I mean, do you remember that you had a favourite, did you have a favourite teacher or was it, like, how were you manoeuvring through, like, school? Like, in, in regards to, like, okay, there were, like, perhaps the only brown kids here. Yeah. Like, who were your role models? Like, where, was that just, like, was that from church or, you know, perhaps you had a favourite teacher or? My role, my role models were definitely my parents. I mean, um, I had a really difficult time, like those primary years and some of high school, because towards the end of the towards the end of high school, I went to school in the city. Uh, but yeah, growing up, it was really difficult because there were no teachers that looked like me. There were no other students that looked like me. So um, a lot of the time, I looked up to my parents for guidance and. Um, I don't really feel like I related to my teachers. Mm. Um, yeah, it was difficult. I found it really difficult. And I got a lot of questions about, you know, my skin colour. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what kind of, like, how were kids interacting with you? Because I imagine, I mean, I can imagine in small communities, let alone being in Australia, you know, yeah. like, were, were there, I mean... Did you come across like now thinking back, going, yo, there were some racist comments like back oh, in the day or? Definitely. And my parents, my parents were aware of it too. I experienced racism growing up, 100%. Um, and yeah, looking back now, I mean, racism, when you're experiencing it as a child, it is quite traumatic. It's something that sticks with you all the way up until you're an adult and you don't realise it until you kind of, sit back and think about your, your experiences growing up. But yeah, I, I definitely experienced racism growing up. And that's why I say that it was kind of difficult to, um, it was kind of difficult growing up, you know. Um, I didn't really have children that looked like me. 
in my class so there weren't peers that I could relate to and my teachers didn't look like me which is why I say I kind of really looked up to my parents and kind of leaned on them for guidance. Um, what about uh, representation in terms of what you were learning in class um, you know coming through high school or primary school even um, like books like do you remember books in your classroom do you remember the, uh, the types of things you were learning in different classes um, uh, that kind of like bring back um, when I was in primary school I was in primary school in like the late 90s early 2000s um, and there were um, uh, books by um, indigenous Australians so a lot of dream time um, Aboriginal dream, dream time stories which were great but there weren't a lot of books with um, with character with diverse characters in them um, a lot of the books that I opened were of white children and they were by white authors which is fine um but there wasn't a lot of um books that i could open up and read and say oh hey look this this character in this book looks like me um yeah so then fast forward and you're now an educator yeah. working in early childhood um yeah i mean had a lot changed like were you seeing i mean because you've said that there were there's you know diverse multicultural uh, communities in uh, well, educators in Sydney but were you seeing diversity in regards to resources and materials and books that were being used with your with your students yep there's definitely diversity in books but um, in terms of Pacifica representation that's really lacking um, especially here in Australia there was one point last year where I was looking around for books for my girls because um, when I was an early childhood educator, and I think a lot of educators can relate, I spent a lot of time buying books for my students. Um, and when I was looking for books for my girls last year, I couldn't find any books in our big retail stores and our bookshops that included Pacifica characters in them or were written by Pacifica authors. Um, I found a lot of um, great books by Black authors, by Asian authors, um, which were all great, but there was nothing that really represented our community. So, um, stories by Sela. Um, I, yeah. I know we're kind of like going all over the place here. It's just because you say something, I'm like, oh, yeah. we're moving in the direction of our Talanoa. But stories by Sela, I am Lupe, which is your picture book yeah. that is going to be coming out. So I read on your um, on your website, you know the inspiration behind um you know how you came up with this so can you speak a little bit to that i yep. am lupe what is that about what is your stories by seller project yep so we talked about um my experiences with the racism a little bit earlier on um and so i am lupe is loosely based on my experiences growing up i got a lot of questions um from my peers asking me like what are you where are you from um, and as a child, when you get questions like that, it is confusing. You don't know how to answer the question. You don't know if there's one specific answer, like, am I Tongan? Am I Australian? Um, so um, so that's where the inspiration for I Am Booker comes from. And the stories by Sela, like I said, there is, there's not a lot of um, books here in Australia that um, represent, you know, our people. Um, and by Pacifica authors. 
and I really want my kids to um, be able to open a book and relate to the characters in them. I mean, we've had um, Moana in Disney, which is fantastic. Right. Um, and there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of um, Pacifica authors all over the world, you know, um, New Zealand, um, America, but um, there's a gap in that market here in Australia. And that's something that I wanted to start filling up. So that's yeah. really where the, the inspiration comes from. And the idea for I Am Lupe really started last year um, in COVID, uh, during COVID. I think one of the great things that came out of COVID, I mean, COVID was a horrible time for everyone. But I saw there, a lot of, there were a lot of creative projects that came out of it. A lot of businesses emerged. And I think one of my, one of my um, projects that emerged from COVID was this book series that I've started. Um, there also, I had so much time at home to think and I started writing down ideas and that's when I am really came to life on paper. That is so inspirational, sis. I love it um, because I just really just discovered the stories by Sela. Like I, I, I think I clicked on something on Instagram and then it came up and I was like, yo, hold up. Wait, what? I was like, wait, 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 what's going on here? Because I saw your a glass of reed in the, yeah. and I was just like, yo, hold up. And I started reading it and I thought, yeah, this is, this is what we need. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're just like, hey, no one's writing our stories. I'm going to do it. Right? Yeah, it's the only way to go, right? Right, and it wasn't. It wasn't something that I was going to put out there. It really was just meant for my girls to have on our bookshelf. And then I thought. I mean, I started paying people to edit my book, to edit the manuscript, and then I paid for an illustrator. So I thought. I mean, I've paid all this money for it, may as well. Yeah, I was going to ask. Are you so you're not doing everything? You've actually reached out, and you've got a publisher, you've got an editor, you've got all of that. Yeah. So I reached out. I've got. Uh, I got someone to edit the manuscript I had a look around online and got an illustrator and I'm not I mean I'm not working I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom right. so I kind of tried to find um illustrators and editors that were within my budget um and once I had it I put the book together and got it printed I've got a I've got an actual book now um and it's coming out in <laughs> I'm excited I can't I wait because I don't know whether it will be well received or whether people will relate to the story. I, I hope they do. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll have you're to wait You're so brave. Sleep. You're so brave. Just the fact that you're getting it out there. Um, you did that, sis, and I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm going to be watching carefully. You know I'm going to be putting it on blast like you wouldn't even know. Just I can't wait to buy it. I can't wait to read it. Um, man, Thank that's so you. precious. I'm really excited about it. So I wanted to, um, so you've, how long were you teaching uh, an early childhood education before you then became a stay-at-home mom? Like, had you done yeah. a few years? And then you I think about maybe seven going on eight years. Um, I was in early childhood. Oh, I'd love to go back. I think when my girls are a little bit older, I'll definitely go back. I mean, I can go back with them um, and have them in the centre that I work at, but I really just want to, you know, spend this time with them. Um, because they grow so fast. So I, I will eventually go back. So um, for those listening, you know, Sela, she has a website, aglassofread.com, um, which I will be, you know, I'll be posting on the bio here and linking it. She's 
she's also a blogger, right? So she has this uh, website and she does a bit of writing on there as well. And there was one article that was super uh, powerful. I read it and like I read it many, many times just because every time I went back to read it, I'd, I'd catch something that I had missed the first time um, reading through it. But it, it was called um, Let's Talk About the R Word. Yeah. Um, and I really I wanted to talk a little a little bit about that um, because you talk about Australia Day. Um, you also talk about an article that was written uh, in July 2020, uh, so yeah. last year, last year yeah. in the Sydney Morning Herald about um, about the Jonah, yeah, the, the what is it called? Jonah from Tonga, um, which was a series and a straight. I mean, look, I'll, I'm going to let Sela talk about it because I have an opinion on this, but I'm going to get her to talk a little bit about uh, the article, like what, um, yeah, why did you feel yeah. that this is something I have to put up there? Yeah, so um, Australia celebrates Australia Day on the 26th of January. And every time the day comes up, it kind of unearths this big debate in Australia on whether or not we should change the date. Um, and this year, um, this year I read a few articles on it, but it really had me thinking about racism in Australia. And like I said before, I've experienced it growing up. And it really had me thinking about whether or not it still exists in our society. Um, and I, I titled the article, Let's Talk About the R Word, because it's not something that a lot of people like to talk about. Um, when the topic comes up of race and racism, and we've seen it on the news, um, people say that they're sick of hearing about it or that it doesn't exist. Um, so I've titled it, Let's Talk About the R, the R Word. And I've really just talked about um, racism in Australia and racism in the media and whether or not it still exists. Because some people say that it doesn't and some people say that it does. And I really, I have trouble really articulating my thoughts verbally and I find it a lot easier to kind of pen down my thoughts. It helps me to unpack um, unpack the things that I've read and really um, just write down what I've been thinking and some of my opinions on some of the topics and some of the issues that we've been exploring or we're experiencing here in Australia and around the world. Um, and I talk about um, this article that was sent to me last last year about the series uh, Jonah, from, Jonah from Tonga. Um, and it's about um, a man um, who believes that this that this TV show that Chris Lilly created was based on him. Um, but you'll have, you have to read the article to kind of really read um, about why he believes that and some of the things that went on behind the scenes that kind of uh, created the show Jonah from Donga. Um, and when I, when I was reading the article, I thought I'd go onto the Sydney Morning Herald page on Facebook um, and I clicked on some of the comments just out of curiosity to see what people were saying. And the comments on there were disgusting. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, it is true. Um, you know, I've grown up with so many Pacific Islanders who are disruptive in class, who have behavioural issues, who are rude. And I just thought, oh, my God, if you're questioning whether or not racism in Australia exists, then go on to one of those news pages and look in the comments and you'll find your answer there. Um, 
so yeah that's why that's why i wrote about it because um a lot of people were really well a lot of non-pacific islanders were were supporting the show and saying you know it's a it's a true representation of what um they've experienced in schools um and yeah some people were saying it wasn't chris lily's intention to um i don't know to to um highlight this um in a bad negative way they were saying that he chris lily if you have you seen his work yeah, I was just going to say because people argue for him and they they, they stand yeah. up for him and say it was not his intention. However, this is the same guy who a few years before that series, he was like doing blackface. He was yeah. pretending to be an African-American uh, rapper. Yeah. And, and you put up, he puts out, um, and you say this in the article, you, in your writing, he put out a, a song. Where he's yes, like dropping the N word, like, yeah. I'm like this, this. I mean, I was. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know that Jonah from Tonga. Um, it played on New Zealand television, and I have to say, I'm probably one of the rare people that watched it. And I just, I, I didn't find it funny. Yeah. I was super offended by it. I was like, who is this white guy? This white middle aged dude? Like, how is this even funny? I mean the fact like when you're talking about these comment sections like i'm a, I'm a huge rugby league fan just to yeah. kind of like move i'll talk about this i'm a huge rugby yeah. league fan, and you know every year there is a debate about the pronunciation of our yes. players and yeah. so i don't um there's this erin erin yeah erin mollet or i can't remember her last name but she's yeah. one of the commentators presenters on the league one of the league programs and i guess some people called her out and oh my gosh white australia please stand up you should have seen people in the comments they were talking i mean disgusting comments about our basifika players you know our maori players you know all these stereotypical like racist comments in the six so when you're talking about the sydney morning herald i mean I'm just like yeah i I'm, i can just imagine like you know there is just absolutely no excuse like who back to the chris lily i mean just yeah. the fact that you know whether it's aaron or whether it's him that people like white australia they never let us down you know they don't let us down they come out full guns blazing to yeah. stick up for these people who are really put it they have a platform and the things they say and the content they're putting out is just racist to the days like it's just it's not okay and i i never understood why people thought that jonah from tonga was funny like i i just and it's and it's so bad because in i mean a lot of the things he does there in the show he really exaggerates but he swears at his parents he swears at his teachers and i don't know about you but i've never sworn at my parents i've never sworn at my teachers right. and um and it's not just um pacifica people in australia that experience that and and it's funny because last year with the black lives matter movement we saw a lot of videos on social media with karens and you know all of that right and it always in the comment sections it always seems to be people who are people who aren't well people who are white um it always or people who are, who have never ever experienced racism in their lives it always seems to be them who say that it doesn't exist and that we need to um 
stopping snowflakes and, um, you know, kind of they say that we can't take a joke and it's and it's not a joke. I know. And yet if someone points out something about a white person, they're so quick to jump on it and be like, you can't say that. Like, yeah. you, it's, you, you, I mean, you said it, like, they have never experienced it and therefore they cannot speak. Like, who are they to shut us down and to say, you can't, you can't say that, you can't, you know, you need to just get past it. It's like, no. And when I think about Australia and I think about the Indigenous, you know, peoples of Australia um, and just, I mean, you know, Australia Day, it's always interesting on Twitter because I always see it, like, every year. Yeah. And in the comments, you know, and it's just, it's horrible. And it's like, man, literally, like I did an interview last week and I'm with a new, one of my New Zealand mates. And he was like, let's remember that, you know, the Maori people, you know, Tangata Whenua have been treated horribly. Yeah. But when we think about Aborigin, our Aboriginal brothers and sisters in, in Australia, I mean, that is like yeah. so much more just the, the experiences they have, just the fact that they are still being, you know, discriminated against, you know, oh, the yeah. racial injustice. It's it's not, yeah. you know, as people in Australia, like, general, like, you know, these we dominant culture, these do DC people, I call them, these dominant culture people, yeah. they're just pretending so that they matter. have not done this to, you know, the Indigenous peoples of Australia who are still suffering yeah, you know, hundreds of years later from, you know, yeah. policies and, and, and things like that. And it's like, how do you live in a country and just ignore that? You know, it's mm. so easy to comment and, com you know, online and blah, blah, blah. But how, how do you not even see that? Like, I don't understand that. Like, Yeah, it's crazy to me too. And, oh, yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, Australia has such a dark history. And I talk a little bit about the white Australia policy in the article. Um, but it's it's such a complex issue and it has so many layers that um, I really encourage you, if you don't know a lot about Australian history and um, First Nations people, I really encourage you to, um, you know, to research it and read about it because um, they've been through a lot. And there were, for a number of years, I'll just quickly say there's the stolen generation where um, Indigenous Australians, uh, young children were taken from their parents. Um, and for many, many, many years, and a lot of people up to now ha still haven't been reunited with their families and really have issues kind of um, searching, uh, how do I say this correctly? I mean, cause we're not, I'm not, um, right. I'm not Indigenous Australian, so I don't want to speak uh, for them. I I really just want to encourage people to read about the soul, the stolen generation, read about Australia's dark history because it's really horrific, uh, really traumatic and there are still a lot of people now who are experiencing um, hardship um, from things that happened hundreds of years ago and continue to happen today. So they've had lasting impacts. Um, yeah, so if you are able to, um, read about it because um, it will blow your mind. Like it's yeah, still, even for me, knowledge is power, educate yourself, learn about it. Yeah. I mean, here in, um, we used to have at our school, well, not since COVID started, we had to kind of shut down our morning program. So we used to have this morning sharing uh, program where teachers would go and share music. 
So every time they called me up, like I, I'm so serious. I signed up about four or five times throughout the year because I, I would play like, you know, our Pacifica music. Like I took it as an opportunity this year, Pacifica and New Zealand, uh, uh, Maori music. Yeah. Um, but there was, I think it was around Australia Day when some of um, some people, they went and they were like, you know, today is Australia Day, righty, righty, rah. And then they played this like really like, DC song and I was super offended like okay it's Australia Day and you chose to play that song and yeah. not something more like in the, from you know to represent the indigenous peoples yeah and it's just like you just come across those people man they're just like oblivious it's like really I don't are. even know man I'm like what of all things you chose to highlight that about Australia Day I was like livid I was like but you know because I'm like oh it's none of my business you know that's their opportunity to share but yeah. I was livid man I was like being a hater I was like how dare they Australia, um, I mean I'm I'll say this I'm so lucky to be living in Australia I mean there's so many opportunities here for me my family I've I, I, this is home for me and a lot of the people you'll meet here are lovely are great but, I mean, when you click onto articles like the one I was talking about or even if something comes up on the news and say that there was a robbery or whatever it is and if the person is not a white Australian and he's another ethnic group mm-hmm. and you click on the comments, it's always something like, oh, this happened overseas, like don't bring that rubbish over here, send them to mm-hmm. back, back to where they came from. And a lot of the times these people were born in Australia, like they are Australian. What are you talking about? But um, you know, you know what's even more hilarious is when DC people talk about when the dominant culture people talk about go back to where you came from. It's like let's talk about the convicts. <laughs> let's talk about your land. Let's let's discuss those convicts that were brought over from <laughs> Ireland and Scotland and where England. Let's talk about them how they came in. You know, it's just like it's um, even in New Zealand, same thing. And it's like yo, the British were the ones that came and colonized. You yeah, know, exactly. The British, exactly. British went all over the world and, and they even went into India. Like, come on now. If anyone needs to get out of there, it's the DC yeah. people. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's like. It's crazy. I'm, I'm curious, Rosa, what's it like for you um, in Japan? Um, For me, living here, like, I haven't had, um, like, personal, like, experience experiences in regards to like racism like like i i feel okay let me tell you when i'm here it's because like i feel like privilege you know yeah. i have privilege in a sense you know being here yeah. um you know but when i go home to new zealand like you know i could be walking in a store and they're watching me through the mirror do you know what yeah. i mean like these are like when I go to New Zealand, that's when I feel straight away I'm being watched. Yeah. People second guess you, your yeah. intentions walking into a store. People, you know, I feel that like, oh, I'm back home. People are looking at me. Yeah. You can sense I'm a brown, I can sense it. I'm a Samoan. Yeah. I, I get that. And I, I remember when we used to go to uni and that like at uni, like would go down to um for lunch in the city and like they would always like sometimes I'd have people like doing surveys and stuff on the street corners and stuff like yeah. that. And all the time people would just they would never guess that you were a university student. They would just yeah. make 
assumptions and you know these stereotypical questions and preconceived ideas about who these brown kids are you yeah. know walking on, uh, on yeah like around. why are you you know like oh well how did you get into university you know those questions yeah. they would never ask they would never ask that to someone from dc culture no it's like so when i go back to new zealand that's when i always feel like damn i feel like little i'm yeah. not saying that here you're like this oh yo i'm, I'm the bomb yeah. not that at all but here like i'm treated as a i'm, a, I'm here um because i'm, I'm a professional i have a yeah. job i'm doing yeah. that and i'm not judged for that right yeah and so when i say that i'm i do i've not experienced like um you know being out racism or anything like, like that i find that um people here um they really like Pacifica people, you know, yeah. they really like Pacifica and Maori people, right? And um, yeah, good. they're very welcoming know. and very accepting of you guys being over yeah. there. Um, but in saying that, I, I got issues because you know, um, Japan obviously, um, you know, like every country, Japan is not, you know, Japan has its issues in regards to uh, race relations. Um, you know, I, I speak often, um, try and speak to my students uh in social justice about you know the plight of the of the zainichi koreans um you know and the treatment of koreans in japan there is also the indigenous peoples of japan um so in okinawa as well as in hokkaido with the ainu so you know just the treatment of the indigenous tribes and the, the indigenous peoples you know mm. japan needs to do better yeah. you know in terms of policy um, but yeah, treatment of Koreans, um, you know, I have, like here in Japan, there's this, like where I live, there's a center for the Zainichi people, but the center has been vandalized over and over and over again, you know, messages sent in, race, racist things wow. going on, just because of this whole, like, you know, Japan and Korea, yeah. you know, um, but these are, you know, the Zainichi, these are people who are Koreans who have been born, you know, they've been here, they've got generations of family that have, you know, were brought over, they lived here, established themselves, but they just don't get that status of, uh, you know, being Japanese. So, you know, while, you know, I love living in Japan, um, you know, obviously, um, well, I'll speak about that in a minute, but, you know, you know, just like any country that there are, the government needs to do better in, in regards to policies and things like that when it comes to indigenous peoples and then just even the plight of and the treatment of the Zainichi, uh, the yeah. Zainichi Koreans. Um, in terms of being an educator here, um, you know, I work at an international school and um, I work with people who have, you know, educators who have traveled all over the world uh, to teach in, in, in international schools. And this is my first international school. So coming mm -hmm. from teaching in a public school, um, like I've come into this place where people talk a lot about privilege. Um, but for me growing up, like I wasn't privileged like that. Yeah. I mean? Like it's a yeah. privilege for me to be here. And I understand, yeah. you know, as an able-bodied woman, I get that, you know, we. Yeah. I also have privileges, but I, I also don't, and I, it's really difficult for me to um, relate to how they talk about privilege when I definitely didn't, you know, I, I wasn't like, 
you know, I'm just, I was, you know, I grew up, you know, in a family where my parents were working all the time, um, you know, just trying to make ends meet, you know, like many of the island families, you know, and so, um, and then, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, they speak of our students as having privilege, but for me, I, I, I put that right to the side because I feel like, you know, our students, they come from families, you know, because, you know, some of the students, they move because of the parents' businesses, right? And I, I feel like, okay, they have, you can't hold that privilege against them, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, I really just try and look at my students and go, well, you know, these are teenagers. Yes, their parents do this job and they have this business and whatnot. Um, but I don't think that that kind of dictates them, like kind of looking at them and saying, okay, yeah. I have this particular student in front of me, you know, how am I going to build their rapport and yeah. trust with those students? So it's a real complex situation where a lot yeah. of the times when people talk about privilege and I just have to be quiet because I, I don't understand privilege yeah. in, in regards to money and all that because I don't yeah. come from that. And yeah. so when I come, when, when I'm in discussions and everything, I speak from, I'm a Pacific Islander, I'm a Samoan, and my parents, yeah. you know, working class. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of the teachers are like middle class, you know, they yeah. come from that. And it's it's a, it's a struggle for me to like understand, yeah. but, you know, yeah. being a person of colour as an educator there, um, it's challenging, you know, it's yeah. challenging because, again, um, People are bringing experiences with them, you know, DC culture experiences, and especially right, you know, in education, since you know, uh, the socio-political climate last year, you know, educators all over the world, educational institutions, you know, this whole idea of um, becoming anti-racist educators and and looking at these systemic policies and the roots of these policies with embedded so deeply within a lot of these international schools. You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and. I tell you, it's been a really difficult year for me. Like I've had a, a couple of meltdowns. I'm just really yeah. trying to struggle with coming to terms with sharing stories about my experiences as an educator, let alone a Pacific Islander coming yeah. through schools and things like that. I know, let me stop. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's it's just real complex. It's been a huge eye-opening learning experience. Uh, I teach social justice, so it yeah. has been very... Uh, many deep and meaningful conversations with my grade 11 students. I mean, yeah. they are so brave. They are advocates for social justice. They are activists. You know, yeah. they are, you know, I'm, I just, it's important to, to amplify their voices and, and not always hold privilege over the top of their heads. Like, yeah. you can't talk about privilege. And it's like, no, they're still young women, uh, students of colour. Who are still looking for ways to to speak on such issues, yeah. you know, racial injustices and things like that, um, when there's no space. So you know, they're trying to find their way. I'm trying to create those spaces. And yeah. anyways, <laughs> that was my long story. But <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, sis, my bad. <laughs> it's so important because that's a step towards combating racism. Is you need to start. Uh, with children, you start with our young people in schools, with our students, so that they go out into society and they have the tools and the knowledge to be able to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, since, like, I mean, you you will know this, I mean, as an educator yourself, um, you know, a lot of people I've heard, I'm not there yet. I'm yeah. not there yet. And I'm like, 
you know, as educators, and I've said this many times in every like episode, as educators, we 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 have to really put aside our biases and our unconscious biases and you know, we, we, we need to put our feelings aside. You know, we can't be yeah. getting all up in our feelings because students should be at the center of all the learning, their yeah. well-being and their needs. And so when people say to me, I'm not there yet, meaning DC people say, I don't want to talk about racism because I'm not comfortable. You know, I don't yeah. want to talk about anti-racism because that sounds racist itself. You know, when they're throwing yeah. all these like concepts and these buzzwords at me and I'm like, well, when you're saying you're not there yet, then you're obviously you're not a lifetime learner. You're not a lifelong no. learner. You know, we're meant no. to be lifelong learners that are meant to evolve and develop and grow. But when yes. you're saying I'm not there yet, you're basically saying I don't want to talk about it. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a just sit over here and no. just wait until I'm ready, whether it's 10, 20 years down the line, you know? And no. it's just like, nah, man. It's like that's, that's where it starts, you know, is that if students are looking at us as role models, when we, we have to normalize these conversations on yeah. racism and, and not be afraid to share stories. And it shouldn't just be people of color sharing stories because it's it's draining. <laughs> it's really exhausting. It's exactly. overwhelming. It's like, it's, it's, it's too much. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about, oh, actually, I wanted to just throw in some random questions for you here. Um, yeah. You know, just if someone wrote a book about your life, what would it be called? What would you want the book uh, to be It'd probably be called Boring. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, what would my book be called? Yeah, like if you could write a book. Um, the Highs and Lows of Seller. I can see that. Yeah. See that I can see that. Yeah, my lows, I feel like my lows have been low and my highs have been high. Mm. Um yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. One day we'll see. We'll see. It's all good. I recommend a Tongan dish. So, you know, I know there's some yummy Tongan dishes and Tongan food out there. Uh see, not even I know, but if you had to if if people are curious and like what? You know what? Are, what are some Tongan delicacies? What are some delicious Tongan food that I should look up online? What would you say? Uh, definitely Lusipi. Lusipi. Yeah, Lusipi and Otai. You have to pay your Lusipi with the Otai. The Otai. Have you ever had Otai before? Sure. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's like a fruit drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. So I, I'm I, now after this, I'm gonna have to go Google so I can when it gets to this part of the episode, it'll be like, bam, there you go. That's what it looks like. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. Um, what country have you always wanted to travel to? Or if your fat if you could take your family, you know, after all COVID has got a died down, where where would you take your family to if you could? Um, I'd love to take my family to Fiji. I've never been to Fiji, I've always wanted to go there. Um and somewhere I've always wanted to go since high school um, is the UK. <laughs> What's that, <okay? laughs> Oh, sorry, that's fantastic. What? What? I know what it is. You want? You want to go and see? You want to go see Queen Elizabeth, huh? Royal family. That's where I'm. You're, you're like you. You want to go and take a photo 
outside Buckingham Palace next to those men who don't move. <laughs> you want to make them laugh and try and catch them out, huh? Tourist <laughs> life. Um, so how are you the same or different from your parents? So uh, thinking about characteristics and like traits. Mm. How am I the same and different to my parents? God, these questions are good. Um, I would say I'm the same. This is a hard one. You might have to edit this. No, you're all good, sis. Take your time. You are all good. How am I the same and different to my parents? Um, I'd say I'm the same as my mum in terms of um, parenting. Um, uh, my siblings always say to me that I've turned into my mum. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll say it's a good thing. Um, but it, like uh, parenting-wise, um, I'll say that my mum's very nurturing and she's very um, – she's got those maternal instincts. I don't know if that comes naturally when you're a mother, but I, I'll say I'm the same as my mum in terms of parenting styles. I'm the same as my dad in the sense that my dad's very opinionated and I think that I'm very opinionated as well. Um, I'm not always verbal with those opinions, but, um, yeah, I'll say I'm similar with, with my dad in that sense. Nice. And what things in life are still a mystery to you? What's something in life that's still a mystery to you? Something in life that's still a mystery to me. Can you give me an example? Um, I think, like, sometimes I think about purpose. Like, for me, okay. sometimes I think, like, purpose, you know, like, people, like, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real believer in, like, everything happens for a reason, like, God's timing, right? Yeah. And so... When things, you know, when I'm thinking about things that I want to achieve and stuff like that, I'm always thinking, like, what's the purpose of me doing this thing? Like, yeah. what's the reason that I'm doing, like, do you know, like, or what is the reason this hasn't worked out? What, you know, yeah. what, a bit of, you did that. so that's always, I don't think that, um, because sometimes I think that just when something has, like, I've figured it out, like, yo, I, I think this is my true purpose. Yeah. Like, even now, I, I still think, is this my true purpose? <laughs> like, yeah. how else am I going to grow and what other ways can I? Yeah. What is God's purpose? So that's, 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 so, yeah, that's my thing that's that I'm always one. thinking about. That's a good one. I think um, something that I always think about and I don't know if it's healthy, but I always Something that I always question is myself. Self-doubt is very big for me. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or, but I always question if I'm, like with this whole writing the book series, um, I doubt my, my abilities to do that and whether or not um, some of the things that I commit myself to are going to be worthwhile or successful. Am I the right person to be doing this? Am I qualified to be doing this? So that's something that I think about a lot, self-doubt. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting that you you bring that up because when I'm reading your your website and when I was reading, I guess the story behind how you decided to to write this book, there's definitely no self doubt there. You know what I mean? I I, I read that and I thought, yo, that's super inspirational. Like, I could tell that you're someone who is driven and like really kind of like you know what. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna put myself out there and do it. Yeah. That's, you know. So that that's just from me as an outsider. Yeah. Reading about the background story and 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 just even hearing you say that. And I mean, yeah, like self doubt. I think, you know, understandably so. Like, you know, just the idea of like, okay, I'm I'm putting something so precious. Yeah, and so personal, story, out. And personal yeah. out there. And like, I, I just feel like. If you didn't put it out, you would probably be kicking yourself. Oh yeah, just wondering like, like you know, what if, what if I did or, yeah, you know, and and I think like you said earlier, how will it be received? Um, yes, I think that people are always going to have an opinion. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, like even with, and I just think like as long as you know. That you've given two hundred percent, and you know, um, you know, this is my why. This is why I did it. Yeah, that's 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 all that matters. Like I feel yeah. like because even listening to you talk about it, and just this idea of like this is something for your girls. This is for yeah. your family. This is yeah. your legacy. Like you know, I think that's that's super. That's all that matters. And we, you know, I. In this day and age, you know, well, not so much Pacifica, but there are a lot of, you know, authors are always putting books and, you know, they're writing out. And, like, that's why for me, like, when I write reviews, I review, um, I always try and find something positive. Yes. And most of the time I review books that I like, that yeah. I really, you know, I've read it and something resonated with me because yeah. – um, I guess this will take us on to our next topic of being, you know, bookstagrammers. I I'm like, whoa, we're bookstagrammers for real. Like, who are we? But since, you know, when, when, you know, like, I just think you're so courageous and putting it out there because, like, I hate when I read negative reviews. If someone says they don't like something, that makes me want to read the book more. Yeah. And because I think, you know, I when when I hear you say stuff, I'm like, yo, that actually it makes sense because I think of the blood, the sweat, the tears. Yeah. I know, but I feel like I think of all the emotions and the the courage that it takes a writer and author to just put something out there. Like that is super inspirational to me. Like I always think, yo, yeah, maybe I should write a book. But then I'm like, yo, I didn't even know. What am I going to write a book about? I don't know. Good, you should definitely. So, so and you I read think... so much too. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Bookstagram while we're here, because you know, like I, sis, I um, right now it's you know it's we've got this hashtag Pacifica yeah. Readathon challenge. You know, it's. Let's um, go. Pacific Islander, yo, let's go. Um, Asian American or Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, you know, there are all these hashtags out there, but I am so excited that I am able to connect with you, Sela, my sister here, with all these other Pacific bookstagrammers that I didn't even know existed outside of you. Amara, shout out to Mara, shout out to Katrina. 
you yes. know, the, I, you guys were the first, and then talk to me about books. Yeah. So now we have a whole big community of it. Wow. We've got that whole big group, which is amazing. I remember when I first found you, Mara, and Katrina, and I thought, oh my god, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the only like Pacific Islander posting about books on Instagram. Right. I love it. I love it. And, you know, like I like to click on the hashtag um, and just see other people, you know, just seeing other people who, who are using the hashtag and just reading, you know, books by, uh, you know, Oceania authors, you know. Like yes. it's so important, like representation, like you've alluded to already, you know, in regards to, our stories, our people. Yeah. You know, we we need to get it out there. And let, let me tell you, this let me tell you, man, because you know, this hashtag since May first started and this hashtag yeah. has been going around. Like I follow Audible, Epic Reads, Goodreads, um, yeah. Ebro FM. I follow all these like obviously big companies, right? Yeah. And they have been doing like doing, you know, I feel like people just copy pasting these um these messages like in support of AAPI and then they and then what pisses me off and I need to chill really really I need to chill out pisses me off is that they put up these books and I'm like going you know scrolling scroll like I'm going swiping and there's and no Pacific Island no. you know so I I do this whole spiel in the comments hi please follow our hashtag there's a group there's a collective of us Pacifica which means Pacific Island, yeah. Pacific, you know, there's a collective of bookstagrammers and we're just trying to highlight, you know, literary red, writer, writer, you know what? They all ignore me. They didn't even like my comment. Only one, only one um, page liked my comment, which was um, penguin readers, penguin, penguin classroom readers, something like that. Yeah. I was so grateful. I was like, the rest of you can just, yeah. can just, get lost <laughs> like I'm about to follow and follow you guys but it's so frustrating it is it's really frustrating because once again our voices are ignored look but yo it's for real. yeah it's frustrating because there are so many books out there by Pacific authors yes. um and they're never highlighted no. anywhere even they don't even do the work I month that's dead like a whole month dedicated to this and um yeah you never see anything up there it's so frustrating and i'm just like i'm like oh you know because i i get it they're just putting out the the popular books yep. but i'm like you know i'm sure there are people in your company getting paid mega money like do your damn job <laughs> like, do your job man like come on it, it cannot be difficult to find to do a search and find that there are you know Pacifica authors out there. I mean, we think yeah. about we've got Witi Ihemaira, uh, yes. Albert Wendt. These people yes. have been writing for, for years. years, you know. I mean, come on. Like, it's, I don't even know. Seriously. Yeah. I just can't. I just can't with these people. I'm curious, what got you into starting your bookstagram? Oh, like, basically, um, this, yeah, it was like, it was for my students. Like, not, they're not we don't like it wasn't for them it was getting information for them yeah that makes sense yeah. No, so no, like no. 
I I started following like all our favorite authors and things like that. Yeah. And we, you know, I would find really cool things on their pages. And then I'll tell my students, you gotta check out this bookstagram account. Um, yeah. you know, check out this person, check out this author, or there's a new book dropping soon. So like just things like that to get yeah. students um interested. And then of course, um, because I run the middle school book council at school. Oh, nice. So, you know, I would like, in the beginning, I was taking photos and, and posting what the girls were reading um, on my bookstagram and then getting, um, and then tagging authors so that they could see. And it was yeah. cool. It was super cool. Um, but I think with COVID and everything, with the whole social distancing, we were not able to do so many things yeah. this, this school year. But yeah, that's 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 why I started my bookstagram. And initially, like for me personally, because I'm not really a writer, or I don't really consider myself a writer at all. I was writing. Anyone to be a writer? But I I was initially I was writing um five word review. No, what are ten word reviews? Ten word yeah. reviews because I had no intention. The page was just to get information for my students and post yeah. the stuff they were doing. And then I started reading and I thought, yo, maybe I need to post a review or two. Yeah, so you, I was, you I just wrote 10 word reviews, 10 words, that's it. But then then when Jason Reynolds and Dr. Abram Kendi, when they, their book stamped, when it dropped last year, yeah. I was like, yo, I cannot do this in um, 10 words. Even, uh, even Michelle Obama's book, like I think she was probably one of the first reviews I wrote when I was going on and on and on. But that's that's what happened. And then when the pandemic started, I just decided, okay, when I read a really good book, I'm just going to post it. And I didn't care if people didn't like what I read. I didn't even care if they didn't like my reviews. It's not about that. I'm just yeah, kind of like putting myself out here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you write amazing reviews, though. They're really detailed. I love your reviews. Well, that's oh, the thing you. <laughs> That's the thing about Bookstagram, though, is it really is a personal blog. And a lot of the times you're not, well, for me, even with my blog, A Glass of Red, a lot of the times it's not for people to read. It's me kind of penning down my thoughts and kind of unpacking, you know, about, you know, unpacking really what my thoughts are on a topic or a book I've read. Um, but yeah, that's what Bookstagram is. It really is a personal blog where you're writing about the things that you enjoyed in a book. I'm glad you said it like that because now I'm like, yo, okay, that's a different way to look at it because, yeah. yeah, I'm usually just like, I love reading, um, you know, what other people write as well. But like I said, like I've 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 put books, I've actually posted about books on my Bookstagram that I've, or, and I've just said, man, I've read so many negative reviews about this book, yeah. but it was not going to stop me at all because I just think, like I said, I think about the author and, and just... Yeah the courage it takes to put whether it's real or it's a fictional piece yeah. like I just think you know one day I might have the courage to just be like yo I'm just gonna do this but yes. for now I'm just gonna be like yeah let me just <laughs> <laughs> let me just read and review it <laughs> let me just read and review it um do you read to your daughters I do yeah and um what, what, what are they like um what do you like reading to them I mean I read to them like I would read to my preschool students um my little one isn't really interested though mm. she kind of like looks at the book and then she walks away <laughs> I've got a three almost four year old now so yeah. she's into it she loves kind of not necessarily reading she likes to flick through the pages 
Um, but yeah, I read to them. And it's really important that you read to your kids too, especially at this age. Um, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, Like, you know, some people, um, like friends in New Zealand, they're like, they always comment or ask about, you know, books for some of their kids. And I like for me, like Mm -hmm. I know that, um, you know, people like to say it's super important to hold a book, you know, to actually hold a book in your hands. Um, but I think, you know, especially in this time that we're living, that sometimes that's not, you know, people, like maybe kids can't get to the library to do that. And so, you know, I'm a huge advocate for audiobooks. Like I'm just yeah. like, you know, a lot of my students got into audiobooks this year because, you know, it was just so difficult to get their hands on books. So, and they're enjoying it. But, you know, if, if they get sick of it, they'll go back to the library and get, you know, and I think that, you know, if you're just any type of reading, I think is is it's it's all good. Like because and sometimes Yeah, no, go over. No. <laughs> <laughs> audiobooks are also great if you're a parent and you can't just sit down and read the book. Like if you are cleaning or if you're doing something, you can have it playing. Yeah. Um, so you're not sitting down in one spot, you can still do what you need to do and listen to the what if not not just not for parents I mean right. for anyone if, you're, Absolutely. if, you to, if you've got tasks to complete you can listen to the audiobook I agree with you like I will clean and have I'm sure my neighbors are like what on earth blood it's just audiobook blasting you know and it's, it's music for audio yeah, well it's mostly music but when I'm listening to a good audiobook and I can't stop I'm like yeah. yo I'm cleaning and doing that but you yeah. know when I tell my parents uh, my sister my students their parents we have conferences and when the parents always want to ask, what kind of book should I be buying? You know, they, they want to really get their, their kids into reading. What should I be buying? And then, you know, because someone has shared, you know, I I just keep buying books and there's a whole bookshelf, but she never touches it. And I said, have you thought about audiobooks? You know, there's some yeah. free audible sites available. There are sites uh, where you can get free audiobooks for students. So I give them some links and then they'll, they'll come back and say, oh, you know, wow. Never thought about listening, but we listen to it together. So it's a way where they can practice their English, but they yeah. can see their daughters enjoying it. So I just think, you know, any any type of reading, whether it's listening, you know, you know, you can't you can't get mad at that, right? You just no. promote any type of reading. I think yeah. is um, super important. Did your parents read to you when you were growing up? Um, do you remember? My read to me, I tell what I do remember. And I spoke to my sister about this the other day because we we're talking about my bookstagram and my children's book coming out. But my dad used to, when we, so before he became a minister, before he moved out of Sydney, I remember um, him getting us a library card. And once a week, he would take my sister and my brother and I to the library and we would borrow a book. I don't remember sitting down with my dad and reading. Um, if it was reading for school, you know, when, you, when you're in primary school you or elementary school, you get, you take home your your book and you have to book sit down. Bag and you sit down. Yeah, yeah, and they tick it off or whatever. I remember doing that with my dad. Yeah. Um, but I also remember him taking us to the library and making us choose a book each and taking it home. Um, but, yeah, those are my earliest memories of reading. I didn't read in high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I picked up reading again when I was, like, in my early 20s. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they're my earliest memories of reading from my parents. Awesome. That is so cool. Um, what values do you 100% believe in? What values? Um, 
honesty. I mean, I want to raise children who are honest, honest with themselves, honest with um, the people that they love. Kindness, like kindness to me goes a long way. Um, and if that's something that you can instill in your students or your children, um, you really want them to grow up and be people who are um, good to be around. Um, yeah. Do you have any book recommendations or any any what's did you have a favorite book growing up or do you have any books that you think hey, I need to tell the audience so they can check it out? Um, book recommendations. Well, there's two books I really loved this year that I read. So The Happiest Man is it The Happiest Man on Earth? The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jaku. Um, I read that this year and I think that was one of two five reviews I gave. Mm -hmm. So that book I really highly recommend. It's about a, um, a man, he's 100 years old, he lives here in Sydney, um, who survived the Holocaust. So wow. it's like a memoir. So I highly recommend that if you can read it. Um, one book I really loved is Let's Talk About Kevin or We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver. Mm -hmm. It's about... Um, a student in America who um, who goes into his high school and he murders his teacher and a few of his high school students. Mm. Um, and it kind of brings up that debate of nature versus nurture. Was he a product of right. his environment or was it his upbringing? Um, and one book recommendation I will give because it's AAPI month is um, something I just started reading, We Are the Ocean. Okay. Um, have you read that? I've never yes. read it before. Yes, is that by um, uh, something? It barely how off how off is that? How oh, you I don't. Yeah, you. That's a Tongan Tongan author, right? Yeah, Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. Um, so that book, I try to get it, and it doesn't deliver here. Um, and I try to, I'm trying to look for it online to read it, which is why it wasn't in my selection. But tell yeah. tell us a little bit more. Well, I've it. it's like a collection of some of his essays and. One of the chapters I'm reading is um, Our Sea of Islands. Let me go, I have to go back and check if that's what the chapter is called, Our Sea of Islands. Um, but if you can read that book, read it. He's such a great writer. Um, one of our great Pacifica writers, I think. I think so. Um, so, yeah, they're probably, was that three book recommendations? Yeah, that's all good. Those are my three. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to do some research on the books after this. Oh, I want to ask about your website. So was your website um, something that happened during the pandemic as well? Or had you been kind of like the, writing uh, before that, like prior to the pandemic? I had been writing prior to the pandemic on my laptop. Mm. Um, and then when I started my bookstagram, I started the blog um, just to post my reviews on the blog. Um, yeah, that's when I started the website. So I, I, I wanted to also thank you. Um, so just for our audience, um, man, I was super, like, excited because um, Sela reached out to myself, uh, to Mara, um, the Silender Reads, uh, to Katrina, Reader, and to me. And you. Um, <laughs> and she, she wrote, like, you wrote just, yeah, you asked us to, you featured us. Like, I've no one's ever asked me that before. So I was like, is she serious? Like, maybe like, like a big, 
so because you guys were the first three that I connected with that were Pacific Islanders. So I was like, whoa, I need to write about Pacific Islander people that read, that love to read. I was like, yo, fam, I'm featured on this like blog on this website. Like it was super dope. I was so thank you so much for that the opportunity. Like, yeah, I was like, I think once I like connected with you three, I was just like, wow there's a possibility that, that there are more of us out there. <laughs> yeah. And it's growing too. There are so much, there's so many more. Yeah. Yeah. I so like there's um, one, uh, the one, um, I don't know her name, but there was a Samoan bookstagrammer who she just, she found me on Twitter. I didn't even know, but she's, yeah. So she connected with me on there and then added me on Instagram. And so I added her to the group and she was just yeah. like, thank you so much. I was like, this is so good. We're just one big Ainga here. Yeah, welcome to the Fano. That's how we roll, you know. Like, so it's 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 super awesome. Like, it's it's always the chat's always going off, and I'm just always trying to like scroll. Me too. I'm always I'm like, man, I I gotta do better. Yeah, there's some good shout out to everyone on that group chat because there's some good discussion that goes on there. Yeah, hard man. I was like, man, these people know this stuff. I'm gonna just sit back here, scroll and read, man. I'm like, don't even say anything, just learn. Learn, learn. Learn. for real okay sis i know you got you got to get back to your family um i am so honored that you have come on the show like i can't wait for your your book to drop is it going to be a series of books or is this just kind of like a one-off so this um it's not really a series so i am Lupa is like a just a book on its own uh but i've got some ideas um that I want to write about, yeah. So we'll see oh, how this so goes. If it's a flop, then we might just have nah, to have Nah, man, you know, honestly, we get, get get our stories out there. Your stories, your story is important. And I no doubt know that, it, you know, no doubt that people are going to be able to resonate with it. Um, so I just want, before I let you finish, you know, wrap up the show with some words of encouragement um, or a quote or whatever, something, I just want to say thank you again, Sela. Sis, it's just, I'm so grateful that you, oh, thank you. you know, reached thank out. You having you were like, yo, let's, let's do this. I was just like, what she say? Yes. Oh so, yeah, it's it's just, and just to know a little bit more about you, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's good to finally, like, put a face to the name because we, <laughs> we're on Instagram all the time, like, yeah. chatting, commenting, supporting each other. So it's good to be able to finally chat. And and thank and I just want to say um, the last thank you is just for supporting the podcast because I know yeah. you're, like, up there checking that out. Like, it's, it's so um, – I'm just so grateful for – People just the comments and the encouragement yeah. always and the support like it means so much because like I yeah. said I'm not a professional man I just no, love, I love it. it I love it yeah. and I'm a pod, I'm a big podcast listener I love listening to podcasts so yeah and I love yours I love the people you have on there on here too so yeah Good. and I your... love your friend Erica <laughs> um the chat with Erica if you can watch the chat with Erica I mean and the others but Erica that one I really loved that one. That, that's how we that's how we are like every like i'm no jokes that's that's how we are at school like it's hilarious that's just oh, Rosa, before we um before we wrap up can i just say after that chat with erica i actually clicked on her instagram page mm -hmm. and she did a ted talk yes 
And in that TED talk, um, she talks about that that question, what are you? Um, and that's in my book as well. So when I when I listen to that TED talk and she talks about her experiences, she went into like a library and someone asked her, what are you? Because they were confused about her her um, cultural background. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. glad. Okay. Well, um, she'll see this when it comes out, but I will, when I see her on Monday, I'm going to let her know that you, you're a fan, that you checked it out, something she's so <laughs> resonated with you, that you watched it, appreciate it. So, so I'll hand it over to you just to drop some words of wisdom. <laughs> words <laughs> of encouragement. Damn, the pressure. <laughs> um. My words of encouragement will probably be um, to not hold back. Um, if there is something that you've got your mind set on or something that you really want to achieve, um, like for me with my book writing series, um, go for it. Um, you will have moments where you'll have self-doubt and you'll think, oh, my God, am I the right person to do this? Um, but, yeah, then my words of encouragement is to go for it. Um, don't let your you know, that little voice in your head telling you that you can't do it, um, you know, stop you from doing that or set you back. Um, go on, go go all in. Um, yeah. There's the mic job. 